Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Hey, fans, welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa, two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. So glad you can join us as Giants working their way through the offseason. Now, on the last episode, Carl, we got heavily into, um, you know, the offensive side of the ball, Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor, your thoughts on Saquon Barkley, my thoughts on Saquon Barkley as far as dollars and cents and all that other stuff. But I know that... um, we had said on the last episode that you really wanted to focus in a little bit on the defensive side of the ball Um, Mm -hmm. and Don Wink Martindale. And you got a lot of thoughts about the new giants, DC, who, if you have a chance to meet him and I've only met him briefly, I've met him a couple, you know, talked to him a couple of times. That's an old school dude right there. Yeah. He's an old school dude. Wink Martindale is, he's, when you talk about old school, he's the tinkerer. He's the guy who tinkers with everything. So if he was spent the whole day in his garage, he's tinkering with how to make something better, seeing something and seeing how you could just give yourself an edge here or there. Um, what I like about Wink Martindale and what, Giants fans should really, really be excited about is they got two competent play callers on both sides of the football that understand today's NFL. Like our last show, I talked about how Dable sees this game as a game of matchups, how to exploit the matchups. Uh, how he wants his quarterback to play fearless, right? With fearless leadership, not being afraid to make a mistake. Um, How Kadarius Toney can be a matchup problem. How if he would allow himself to imagine Saquon Barkley fitting into those, those nightmare scenarios. But the one thing, and I'm starting to study a lot more of Wink other than just a a week-to-week observer, um, when they play on Sundays, the one thing about Wink Martindale that you should know as, as football fans and as giant fans, he understands that teams offensively in today's NFL want to exploit matchups. So what does Wink do? Wink is doing, not with the same scheme, But philosophically, he's doing what the late Buddy Ryan did and was very successful for many years and what Rex and Rob do philosophically. You want to line up your wide receivers in four wide. You want your quarterback to line up and say, okay, uh, slot, you know, Mike's here. Here's the slot and he's giving the signal. He automatically knows what a matchup is, right? Mm -hmm. Wink Martindale says, nope. I want all five of you offensive linemen to try to figure out which one of us is coming. Quarterback and center, you think you know who the mic is, but the mic might be coming from the defensive backfield. 
I'm going to create a free runner every chance I get because I don't want you to be comfortable. I don't want you to line up, <clears throat> see the defense. Oh, it's a one shell, but is it really a one shell, right? Oh, it's cover four. Is it really cover four? What's available to me? He wants quarterbacks to always think that way. Like there are teams that move a lot of people around, <clears throat> but eventually it takes one motion to figure out who's got who. But when you look at Martindale's defense, and I, and here's, here's that little uh, fine print warning, it could be feast or famine at times, mm -hmm. right? But the one thing he will not do, it's not in his DNA, is to sit back and allow today's offenses to dictate the terms. And he's, he's a rarity in the NFL right now. He is a guy, when you look at consistently what he does, he makes a quarterback, a center, and all five linemen have to account for somebody that may or may not come. Right. And then the wide receivers have got to be able to communicate. So he puts all 11 people in the action uh, in terms of, of, of trying to get his defense stopped. And you know what? He's given up some big ones, but when his personnel is right, it's hard to find somebody who brings as much chaos as Wink Martindale. Now, you said the word personnel. You know, as of constituted right now, right now, personnel is a little on the, you know, the personnel is a little... Um, shall we say, developing, work in progress, unknown. Because we, we have no idea who they're going to draft. We have no idea if they are going to trade for a player with draft picks. We have no idea if they're going to move back and acquire more picks and add more players that are going to fit not only on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball. So it's very hard at this moment in time to know what the personnel is, but they're going to certainly draft people or bring people in that fit and have the ability to do what he's going to ask to do. Yes. So there are three constants that we know are going to be in Wink's defense. It's up front. You got Leo and you got Dex. Those are two constants. You got four, actually. Then you've got Blake Martinez, who's back. And then you got Xavier McKinney. So those are your cornerstone pieces of this defense. Um, I, they, I Go ahead. They signed Justin Ellis to a one-year deal. Now, look, he's a veteran guy, and he's not like, you know, he's not Aaron Donald, but he's a guy that's familiar with what they're doing. Well, allow yourself to imagine this, right? If Dexter Lawrence was a zero technique, nose tackle, and that's all he had him do, he would be so disruptive in the middle of the Giants' defense. Just, just store that one away, people. Store that one away. Um, if they put him as a zero technique, 
he would disrupt every run game going. Um, but this is what competence looks like, right? Um, we can take one year of Wink's career, which was last year, we had a ton of injuries, or you could take his entire body of work. And you could see he has rendered offenses helpless at times. And I think that is his philosophy, no matter what personnel it is, because you try to look and you say, are they built from back to front or front to back? I think it's an all-in approach with him. Give me players, I'll figure out how to create the advantage without having to sit back and have an offense dictate to me. So does he need good cornerbacks? Yes. He's got a Dory Jackson. And I don't know, I don't think any of us know what Brad Berry's situation is going to be, but he ain't an early cut. So I'm sure there's some contemplation going, you know, and it might be a draft day thing, a trade, but I think they'd rather have him than not. Um, don't know if they are trying to get him to take a pay cut. And he says, no, I don't know any of that. Right. But I know he's still on the roster and that's not a bad sign. If you're Wink Martindale. Yeah, they could draft. I mean, they're going to draft some corners. Yeah. Um, look, it's all, it's all, it's all a work in progress. I mean, I know it's like I could catchphrase word, but it literally is. Because they're rebuilding. I mean, you could say they're not rebuilding, but they're rebuilding. Oh, they're rebuilding. They're rebuilding. But they're, listen, here's the other thing I'm going to say right now. I am not in the camp of give them a year. Well, they, they need this year to clean some things up, to do this, to do that. And then we could see where they are, right? No. You're in the NFC East. You don't get a gap year. Go compete in the NFC East. Um, can your quarterback be as good as any of the quarterbacks in this conf in this division? Absolutely. Can you can you pass the ball with the teams in this division? Absolutely. And if you just look as bad as the Giants were, they competed in the division for a very long time uh, last year. Now it's time to go out. Your goal should be to win the division. That's what rebuilding looks like for me. Like competence, it should be a given, right? You were hired because you were competent. Now show me you can coach and compete to win the division. Uh, yeah, so Dallas is sitting at the top. Where can you make progress within your division? How can you step out of the, the muck of mediocrity, you know, is Dallas and then mud, right? How can you stick your head up out of the mud and be uh, a competitive team that threatens Dallas every time you play them? Where Dallas lines up and says, well, this is going to be a tough game for us. How do you create those rivalries within the division? Right now, there's no rivalry within the division. It's Dallas and they don't really have a matchup issue anywhere. Create that. I think Wink's going to create that for the Dallas offense. Um, but you can't, I, I'm, you're rebuilding, but rebuilding does not mean finishing fourth in the division or third in the division. 
you should be in a conversation at the end of the year in this division for a wild card at least. You got to be pressing. And I'm I'm sorry. I'm like, you you you're hired because you're competent. Joe Shane is no different than the other um, general manager in terms of finding way to get players on the field, even if it's for a year, to get your team on track, which will give you something to build on. If you're building on nothing today, and this is a rebuild, like this is not a renovation, which I, I gave Giants ownership a great deal of credit. They didn't say rehab this. They said rebuild it, right? Um, they're doing it. Yeah, they're doing it. But as you rebuild this, you got to compete. Your timeline is not, we'll have the job done in two years. Your timeline is you're going to see the foundation poured and what looks like is going to be a beautiful thing. This is what this year is about. But when you are in the NFC East, if you're going to win that, you're not doing it the right way. Your goal is not to be, well, see what we can get better at so that, you know, we can we could try to win the division. No, look at what you got in front of you, fans. I don't think, now they might say it's a rebuild. I don't think Brian Dable is walking into this division and saying, God damn it, we got no shot. He's probably looking at this division saying, you know what? I need to get this fucking quarterback going. I need to connect with Kadarius Tony. I need to decide what I want to do with Saquon Barkley. I need to get Kenny Galladay going. And if I can do that, watch and see what we do with this division. Then that's when the conversation becomes, are they as good as they look? And that's the conversation you want to have as part of the general NFL dialogue. Wow, the Giants look really good. And then somebody says, well, they're playing in the NFC East. Let's see how they do outside. You can live with that mm -hmm. in year one. You want to look so impressive within the division. You want to look like you know what you're doing within the division. So when you compete there, that's when you know the rebuild starts because then you can go beyond your division. Right now, I'm not taking the rebuild within the NFC. If you're, if you're rebuilding in the NFC East and your goal is not to win it or to compete to win it within the last couple of weeks of the season, you, you are not doing a good job. Simple as that. Cause you just, it, it's the NFC East. You got a shot. Just like the teams that have made it to the final four, they got a shot this coming weekend and you can yep. get in on the action with bet online. It's where the game starts. You got the final four this weekend. You got a chance to put a little wager, not only on the final four, but on other top sporting events, Vegas casino and poker games, you name it, live betting. Really simple. I'm giving you a chance to get 50% off on your welcome bonus. So on your very first deposit, BetOnline is going to give you 50% off, but all you have to do is use a promo code. It's called Believe, B-L-E-A-V. Believe in Giants. Believe in this promo code. You get 50% off on your welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's super easy. Download it today on your phone. 
Check it out. Bet online, the fastest, easiest way to wager on all popular sports and games. Bet online where the game starts. You know, Carl, last year, the two Western divisions, the NFC West and the AFC West, were the two best divisions in football for a lot of different reasons. Now, with Russell Wilson being traded out of Seattle, um, and then who knows what's going to happen with the 49ers, you know, obviously with uh, them making it known that they want to trade Garoppolo and uh, go with the younger quarterback. Not really sure about that division, but how about what is going on in the AFC West? I mean, sack hunters, man. This sack is like hunters, the- ballers, yeah. Devontae yeah. Adams. I mean, studs across the board. And you could almost make the case that Kansas City went from the team to beat to maybe the team that might be bringing up the rear in that division. And that might be a good thing for Andy Reid because he's lived a charm life. Now, the one thing, whatever we say about Andy Reid, he knows how to win football games. And I think he's had a little bit of a, he's had a little bit of a cushion because he knew he could like, hey, when all else fails, go to this guy. And when we need to take the top off, we got Hill. Now, this is going to be, I think, this is going to be the Andy Reid of Philadelphia, where you're going to have to scheme a few things differently because you don't have Hill, who's your Swiss Army knife with speed, right? He's your Ginsu knife. Um, you got a quarterback who's still your quarterback. You got um, a tight end who's still your tight end, right? But you have lost the legit fear factor that every team had to respect. Now teams can, okay, well, we know what this guy can do. We know what this guy can do. We can match him up. Now Andy Reid can create the old Andy Reid. He's got a, let me, let me just say this. He's got a coach now. Not that he wasn't coaching before, but he's got to go back to coaching. now. He's got to look at this. Um, and there's a, there's a few things about, uh, this wide receiver market that that really broke the bank, right? Um, our friend Mike Tannenbaum. He he warned against quarterbacks, mega salaries versus salary cap balance, so that you can get your team going in the right direction in terms of being competitive as a collective. He makes a lot of sense. If you're in Green Bay and your only goal in life right now, your only goal is to win a championship. Your quarterback's legacy is, I don't, it's not tarnished, but it is absent multiple Super Bowl for as good as he is. He's absent. His, when you look at his ledger, when it's all said and done, he's going to be multiple MVP, lead the league in this, great percentage passing, blah, 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 blah. But one Super Bowl, right? Has been the best team in football regular season for three or four years running. First team to 10 wins every year. Like, just runs through it. Doesn't mean anything, though. Doesn't mean anything. So, to Mike Tannenbaum's point, 
if winning is important, then salary bonus, I'm sorry, salary balance, roster balance is important to winning. It's crucial. I say that with this disclaimer. I believe every player should get as much money as they want. For as much money as a team is willing to give you, you should take it. But if winning is important to you, right, then you have to understand that if you're 50 million doesn't allow the team to sign your favorite wide receiver, that's just life. And he's got to get his. So because if I'm if I'm any wide receiver like a Devontae Adams or uh, Hill, I'm saying, well, shit, I'm the best in the league. I'm top two in the league. Why am I not worth it? General manager says, you know what, Tyreek? You know what, Devontae? You're worth every penny. And we really want to pay you. But we don't have it. And then you go to Aaron, you go to uh, Patrick Mahomes, and you say, Patrick, Aaron, I will not dispute you. You are well worth what you're asking for. And the owner wants me to give you as much as we can afford. But when you look around the room in September and your favorite target isn't here, it's not your fault. We just don't have enough to pay those guys. So it's a two-edged sword. It's, hey, we want you. We're not going to shortchange you, quarterback. But just understand, I ain't got enough money to pay these other guys. So this is what we got. But you are worth your money. You should take it. But these other guys want their money too, and they had to go somewhere else to get it. And well, then, I mean, that's, that, that's the Tom Brady thing. I mean, Tom well, yeah. Brady for years but, took – he did not shake the piggy bank empty for the Patriots so that they could spend money elsewhere. But he understood that, right? But then there's this other balance, right? I talk about the, the, the mega deal and roster balance in terms of economics and keeping winning together, right? You know what Tom Brady did? And, and let's, let's just kill this bullshit that his wife makes 300 million a year. That's why he could take the discount. That's not why he takes the discount. Because here's what Brady knows. That six Lombardis is about $100 million a year off field for him. Two Lombardis, when he got to the second one, and he started looking at the dynamics of winning and what it brought to him in terms of opportunity outside of football. Well, I can make this up because you know what? Everybody loves a winner. And so every year that Brady wins a Lombardi, it's probably another, it probably equates to another 20 to $30 million in addition to what he makes off the field. Think about it, QBs. Winning. Like, yeah, you play football to be great. But you also have to understand winning 
affords you so many things and opportunities economically off the court. Is there any surprise that Michael Jordan has done so well because he's a winner? There are a lot of great players in the NBA. None have risen to the level of Michael Jordan. There are a lot of great players playing today in today's NBA. Very few of them are doing what LeBron James and Steph Curry are doing. Multiple championship guys. They take them O'Briens, they take those Lombardis, and everybody looks at them as winners, as leaders, and every one of those. Now, NBA is a little different because they can break the bank, right? Because there's only five of them they got to pay. But well, what but, when, but winning, to, but your point of winning, it's it's it, it creates a revenue stream that lasts forever when you yes, win those championships. But, because but, I'll give you a perfect example, right? In my golf space, you know, Arnold Palmer, may he rest in peace, the king. You realize that he won his last major championship in 1964, but he was dynamic. And he won those masters and he, you know, he won all those championships and became a star. And he was like, for 25 years, he was one of the highest earning athletes yes. in the world because of those championships that turned into Hertz and that turned into Pennzoil. And that turned into Traveler's Insurance and the umbrella and the brand, the Nicholas brand, yeah. the most majors ever, Tiger Woods brand. Yeah. Because they won championships, not because they were runner ups. Right. And so, <laughs> runner ups, look, again, two things can be true. You can be worth every penny, you can break the bank, right? but you also cannot be a champion. You can also break the bank and sit there and be the highest paid, well-deserved quarterback in the league and walk away as runner-up, right? So let's take Giselle's, let's not pocket watch Giselle. Let's just look at why Tom Brady is considered the GOAT. When everybody says, ah, no, Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT. You know what? Championships. Um, but every Lombardi probably equals twenty, thirty million dollars for a guy like Brady. I think the last thing we've seen from Rogers is State Farm discount double check, and they don't even play that much anymore. They got other guys doing State Farm now, so it's like go win a championship. Um. And again, I don't begrudge him making his money. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even advise him to take a pay cut. That's an individual thing. That is, what is your, what is your winning uh, uh, mindset, right? Is winning your division every year, being the first team to 10 wins, uh, to wrap up a playoff uh, spot, to be uh, the most efficient passer. If those things are important to you, hey, then you have no problem being the runner-up. And you have no problem watching your best player lead to go somewhere else to get his money. 
But if somebody calls you selfish, now you, you understand why. The fan base in Green Bay, right? If they say you're selfish, you can say, okay, I got my money because I deserved it, and you do. But if that fan base is saying to you, bro, this used to be title town. Get us more than a division title. Get us over the hump. We can't afford to watch this team. We sit in the cold every year, and we go home at the end of the first game. We never win a game in the playoffs. We're out in the first round. Get us past that because you're the great. You're the GOAT. You don't throw interceptions. You're the highest proficiency passer in the league. You got us here so fast, the rest of the league was was, was uh, inhaling your fumes. Get us over because that's what you're supposed to be great. Get us over the hump. Now, don't blame management that your best player left because they told you you're worth your money. And they told that guy he's worth his too. How can they tell that guy to take less money when you wouldn't take less money? That guy deserves every penny he can make too. So he's going to go somewhere else, right? Where they're not paying a quarterback a lot of money. Um, but all things can be true. Bottom line is, if winning a championship is important to you, being the greatest, if it's important to you, then you'll do what's necessary to make that happen. Not saying that he won't ever win another championship, but the table was set, table still set. Um, the Patrick Mahomes situation, it is what it is. Maybe it was time for them to reset. You know, they had a great run. Well, they two Super Bowls, won one, lost one, perennial winners of the division. Four straight conference championship games. Yeah. So maybe this is their reset. Maybe they knew this time was coming and this is their reset. And they'll develop players. You know, Tyreek Hill, where was he drafted? Fifth round? Mm -hmm. So there may not be another Tyreek Hill, but they'll get another good player in their system. Yeah, I mean... Um... It'll be interesting to see how they do it. I think it's going to put a lot more pressure on Kelsey. I just want to talk about the Chargers because okay. to, to me, the Chargers should could have easily won the division last year. Mm -hmm. They didn't. They should have been in the playoffs. They weren't. And that's, to me, that's nothing more than pilot error. Yeah. yeah. With the, with, with the head coach, you know, I, I understand the whole thing of the analytics part of it and going for this and going for that. But if you just use some basic football analytics, the Chargers should have a beaten the Chiefs in that late season game. Yes. And then the timeout, and then the Raiders were willing to go to was willing to play for the tie, which would have gotten the Chargers in. So now the Chargers, they re-sign Mike Williams. They got Keenan Allen. They add Khalil Mack, who's still a stud. J.C. Jackson, the interception king. They throw him in the mix. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, the Rutgers kid. They signed Austin Johnson from the Giants. To me, barring injury, they're ready to fly. Just use a little bit 
more football common sense and don't be a slave to a spreadsheet. And that team should be, that team should be off the charts this year. I, I agree 100% because they get it right on personnel. And Bill Belichick says it best. It's hard for players to overcome bad coaching. If you're going to, you can have all of this great talent. And if you're going to coach bad, it's hard to, it's hard for players to overcome that. When you make bad decisions, that's not in the best interest. Um, look, I have no issue with any team that apply analytics to their process, but there's a time and a place for it. And I, I just absolutely love Cynthia Freeland because she broke this down, man. Like she was with our Madeline Burke and you can watch that interview. I think it's on the giants, uh, giants.com website, but she broke down analytics where the most simple minded person, if you're just learning football and you say, what's analytics? she will tell you how you should use it and how it should be applied. And it was just, I just couldn't, I I was just blown away with just how she just simplified it and, 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 and made it where if you're a coach and somebody convinced you, if you're a pro coach or college coach and somebody came to you with data sets and said, this is how we're gonna run this. If you looked at her clip with Madeline Burke you say, hold on, we're going to incorporate this, but we're not going to let these numbers dictate the actual stuff that's on the ground. I need to take, I need to factor in more than what numbers and data set says. I need to know what the, the data on the ground says, not the situation. Got me thinking. God. No, and that's where San Diego is now. Like they got too good a personnel to let the coach screw it up. And I'm not calling him a bad coach, but I am saying he's made some bad damn decisions. And now when you've got uh, Khalil Mack and Bosa defensively, that can just constantly bring pressure. They should be the team to beat. And the DBs they have with Jason Jackson being added to the mix. Yeah. Well, I have a way for, I have a way for the Chargers and their fans in Los Angeles, San Diego and everywhere to maybe deal with the anxiety and the trauma of the coach making irrational decisions, which interferes with their happiness. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. I'll tell you what the name of it is. It's betterhelp.com slash giants. If you want to start living a happier life, not only as a giants fan, but as a chargers fan, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash giants. Just over a million people have taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com slash giants. 10% off your first month's visit by checking them out. Makes you a better person helps you become a better person, points you in the right direction. 
and maybe the Chargers head coach can be pointed in the direction of leaving the spreadsheet on the table occasionally. Yeah. I just occasionally. Just a or little turn bit. Turn the headset off. Just, just a little bit. Turn the headset off. If somebody is saying, coach, 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 just mute it and look at what you got and then put it back on. But, um, yeah, I, I think with all the love affair that we have with all of these great young quarterbacks in the league, it's just, it's amazing how Justin Herbert, he's not an afterthought, but he, he's, also, he's that guy that you say, oh, and don't forget, the Chargers have Justin Herbert, who's another up again. Like, he is as good, if not better, than this young class they got. But it's he's kind of like everybody's prisoner of the moment. So you got Joey Burrow, who does his Super Bowl appearance, and he, you know, he has a, he has a, an incredible run. Um, you got all these other young guys, and they says, hey, don't forget about Justin Herbert. No, Justin Herbert. I'm putting Justin Herbert from an arm talent, uh, fearlessness standpoint. Mm-hmm. He's right there next to Josh Allen. Cause that guy, man, he's a, that's another guy with arm arrogance, you know? Um, and he, he plays the game fearlessly. He's a, he's a, in my opinion, I put him right next to Josh Allen. And you can have all the rest of them, but don't say, don't forget about Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert should be at the top of these conversations when you talk about these young, talented quarterbacks. Anything else to get off your chest here? Man, I always got something, but I think that might be it. Um, Yeah, let's see how it all plays out, Bobby. It's going to be a fun, fun year. we got the overtime rules that are from reports picking up momentum, which I think is the dumbest shit in the world. Um, but because the league is about its offense, I get it. I don't have to like it. Um, but you know, the, the idea that the offense has to touch the ball again and again and again because they didn't have success the first time is done. Um, the fact that you don't count defense uh, or defensive effectiveness as part of why teams win and lose in crucial situations is dumb. Like, I don't, I don't believe in that do over. Like if you get a defense on the field first, your offense may be better than your defense, but if your defense takes the field first, then get a fucking stop. Win the game. Like, oh, well, our defense didn't stop them, but our offense needs to go out and get, get us back in the game. Oh, and their defense didn't stop their offense because their offense is better than their defense, so their offense has to go. It's just a never-ending cycle of just back and forth. If your defense does its job, if you can squib kick it, if you get there's strategy that goes into this. Stop scapegoating. And, and and I again, I understand it. I don't like it. Um, because if your offense didn't take the field, you didn't fucking deserve it. Your defense didn't win. 
they pay a lot of guys a lot of money on defense too. Well, I'm just looking at this right now. The the Raiders, Max Crosby, a four-year, $98.98 million contract extension with $95 million in new money, $53 million in guaranteed. Um, Chandler Jones. Is that just for regulation? Yeah, Chandler Jones, $52 million over three years, $34 million guaranteed. The Chargers, $82.5 million, $40 million guaranteed for J.C. Jackson. They pick up the contract of Khalil Mack. I could go on and on. Demarcus Lawrence, new three-year deal, $40 million, $30 million guaranteed. I mean, Chandler Jones. I I could go through the list of all these teams in the NFL. They're paying all this. $14 $14 million for one year. Hassan Reddick, kid out of South Jersey, giant yeah. destroyer, $45 million three-year contract. Last time I checked, um, defensive guys are getting paid too, and a lot of money. Right. So are we are we saying it's only for the it's only for the it's only for regulation though? Regulation, you're a $90 million player for regulation. But here's the one thing I will say. And again, they're gonna do what they do because it's in the interest of entertainment offense right but don't scapegoat these freaking inept defensive play callers if your guys run out of gas and you need your offense to bail you out that's great in regulation but in defense in 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 overtime get it done like i cannot imagine which and I, and I believe the best closer to ever do it was Bruce Smith. When you need a game closed, you need a turnover, a sack, or something to end the game. I can't imagine Bruce Smith saying shit, Jim. You know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll try our best, but you guys, you and Thurman, and 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 James and Andre, you guys go out and win the game for us. We'll give it our best. I'm telling you now, Bruce Smith would say, this shit's over. What what, what would Lawrence Taylor say? It's over. It's over. What would Reggie White say? I'm ending this. What would Carl Banks and the Big Blue Wrecking say? I'm ending this. I can give you an example. If you go to our San Francisco game when they just needed to run the clock out, right? Yeah. We stepped in the huddle, and I don't know if it was Leonard Marshall or Jim Burt said, we got to get a fucking fumble. Next play, guess what? Got to turn over, get the offensive ball back. We win the game. That's what you get paid to do. It doesn't mean you only get paid for 60 minutes. If you're making big money, be the closer that they're paying you to be. Simple. But. Well, I just just go back for a second. Definitely wasn't Jim Burt. Because he was, he was on, on the that other team. side, and he, he was on the other side, and he tried to. So it had to be Leonard. Stettler. It was yeah, you're right. It was Leonard. <laughs> it was Leonard Marshall who came in the huddle and said, "We got to get a fucking fumble. Let's get a fucking turnover." And so boom, er- Eric Howard forced it. Lawrence recovered yep. it. Matt Barr won it. Offense, defense, special teams, guys. And and again, I get it. You bitter owners, you want to see your best put. Yeah, listen, a defense still has to take the field even if the other offense goes out there. But how about, like, if they don't get it done, game over. Go home. You pay guys a lot of money. 
not just for 60 minutes, take the mentality that, hey, we're out here first. Let's set the tone. Let's close the game. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, we'll have a new episode next week. Carl, it's been a lot of fun kicking it around. It has been, man. A lot of fun. Tell a friend to tell a friend, folks. We got shit to talk about. Believe in John. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.